Welcome to Women on the Line, one of Community Radio's National Women's Current Affairs programs, produced at 3CR Community Radio in Melbourne and broadcast nationally on the Community Radio Network. I'm your host, Hope Matumbu. Women on the Line acknowledges this program is produced and presented on the sovereign lands of the Wurundjeri people of the Kulin Nation. We acknowledge elders past, present and becoming, as well as the owners of the land you are hearing us from. Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander listeners are advised that this show contains the names of and discusses people who have died. It's been 28 years since the Royal Commission into Aboriginal Deaths in Custody. In Victoria, over 80 Aboriginal health, human rights, housing, legal and women's organisations are calling on Premier Daniel Andrews to abolish the offence of public drunkenness, a key recommendation of the Royal Commission. This petition was sparked by the December 2017 death in custody of Aboriginal mother, grandmother and beloved community member Tanya Day. In this episode, we speak with April Watson, a proud Yoda Yoda Wemba Wemba Barap Barapa woman from Echuca and one of Tanya Day's four children. We also speak with Shalina Musk, a proud Larakia woman from Darwin in the Northern Territory. She's also a lawyer at the Human Rights Law Center. First up, let's hear from April. Hi, I'm April Watson. I'm a proud Yoda Yoda Wemba Wemba Barapa Barapa woman. My mum was Tanya Day. Um, she was also um, proud of her Aboriginal heritage and uh, all the mobs um, where she came from. So mum's family uh, was Days and Atkinsons and they came from Munakala and Kamragunja Mission. Mum, she was a really strong woman uh, and, you know, I have a look over the life that she's lived and, you know, it's so apparent um, how strong and how proud that she was and you know that was obviously being embedded into each one of her kids and you know that's what we are most proud of as well is just being able to look back on to mum and know that she fought for everything and she fought for her family and she fought for her people and um you know it's it's great that we've been able to inherit that from her she was just you know she was she was a lovely woman and she was kind and funny and she had a lot of friends everywhere she went so you know mum was well known and she was always wanting to be around her mob and you know help community if that was for cooking or you know events like NAIDOC or just something that was going on back home in Echuca. And how and why did this passion start uh, for you to go ahead with the petition and campaign? Um, how did this come up for you and your family and what has the journey been like? Um, well, it you know obviously all started um, in December 2017, which was when mum was travelling on a V-line train from Echuca to Melbourne to see our younger sister, Kimberly, who was pregnant at the time. Um, during that trip, mum had fallen asleep on the train and a V-line conductor had you know deemed her unruly and decided to call the police. Um, that's when the police had taken mum off the train and arrested her for public drunkenness and placed her in a Castlemaine police cell. In that time frame, you know, pretty early on, um, mum had sustained serious head injuries, which then uh, resulted in traumatic head injury, which mum passed away 17 days later. So, you know, just having gone through 
this experience and losing mum in that sort of way and knowing what mum stood up for, you know, it was only right that we do everything that we possibly can to make sure that that doesn't happen to anybody else. You know, we want to make sure that people are accountable because, you know, she wasn't properly monitored when she was in that police cell, you know, police had failed in their duty of care you know v-line is racially profiling mum you know she was just asleep on a train it's not like she was actually hurting anybody so there's been all these system failures along the way um and to us it's, it's clearly apparent you know got to do with systemic racism so we just want to make sure that we're doing everything that we can to make sure that no other aboriginal person goes through what mum did and that no family has to you know endure the pain that we have Mm. And, you know, can can you walk us through what it was like trying to get to the bottom of what happened and the transparency that maybe may or may not have existed amongst those agencies so v, from V-Line to the police and, and everything like that? It was absolutely excruciating. From the moment that mum was in the custody of the police, Everything was twisted into how it benefits them and the story that they want to tell. Um, you know, they they didn't even tell us that mum had hit her head. They said she had a knock to the noggin. Those mm. were the exact words that the police used. Clearly, it's not a knock to the noggin because that knock to the noggin had killed her. So we, you know, never we thought that mum was safe. That from what they were saying, we thought that she was going to sober up and they were going to put her on a train and then one of us would get her from Melbourne. That idea in the picture that they painted even when she had went to Bendigo Hospital again no one was really clear as to what happened you know it was hours of us calling and calling and calling until they sort of give us a little glimpse of what was going on but it wasn't until we walked into the room and we actually seen what state that mum was in it was clear that something had happened to her and you know, the first the first thing that we seen when we walked in was that massive bruise that was on her head. It covered half of her forehead. So my first instinct and thought and knowing, you know, the history of death and cuss and everything was something has seriously happened to mum while she was in that cell. And, um, you know, they, they kept saying, no, it's an aneurysm. No, it was a stroke, you know. The bleed was so big that these are the causes of it. It could never be traumatic. And that is exactly what it was. Mm, A traumatic head injury from her time there. Yeah, and which we actually had to wait about six months to get her death certificate to even know what that was. Mm. we, We did not know for six months that it was that. We felt like it was that, but no one actually made it clear. So it just, it drags everything out, you know, like the whole coming to terms with it, the grieving process, like everything was just an excruciating process. And you know, we had to wait 33 days to bury mum. Mm. So it was just from the start, if people had been honest and truthful, uh, you know, everything could have been handed a lot different mm. and it could have been a lot different for mum and the family. Yeah. And 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 look of course um on top of that then you had to 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 go through an inquest. Yeah, yeah. 
um, to to even dig deeper and find out where those failings were, and and what was that process like for you? Well, you know, we've now had two directions hearings. We've got our third coming up at the end of this month. So the first directions hearing is actually meant to happen, you know, within 28 days of the death, and that happened a year after. So you know, mum went in the cell, um, was arrested on the 5th of December, and the first directions hearing was on the 6th of December. So, you know, that understanding or, you know, just human beings just being respectful enough of someone that's passed away and their family wasn't even there you know they put the directions hearing a day after mum was arrested which that was difficult for us you know that was the start of that whole period of leading up to when we've lost her so you know we've had the first directions hearing and that was just sort of gathering you know I guess you'd say like the witnesses and you know the information and it was to outline the scope of the inquest and that's when you know, we really made it clear that it was important that we have systemic racism um, in the scope for the inquest and that we are, you know, not going to stop and that we're going to call on the Victorian government to abolish public drunkenness as a law. Women on the line. And, um, you know, today, the day that we're speaking, um, there will be a vigil tonight um, for the anniversary, recognising 28 years uh, since the Royal Commission into um, Aboriginal Deaths in Custody. In terms of this petition to abolish public drunkenness and its contribution overall um, to, towards this anniversary, um, what has that been like for you connecting with um community um, uh, in wider Australia because, um, you know, Aboriginal deaths in custody is still a very big issue in this country um, with with 411 Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people having died um, in custody. Yeah, and that's the thing, you know, today marks the 28th year and since then there has been up to 400, more than 411, but, you know, that, that number's not even including the people that had passed away before the Royal Commission. Mm. So, you know, that number is actually a lot higher. It's just we aren't able to pinpoint that. So what we really wanted to do is make sure that, you know, we had organised this vigil to pay respects to not just mum, but to all the people that has passed away since then and before and to the families because, you know, we can't we can't just forget about them. You know, we need to make sure that it's in people's faces and people are aware of what's going on because, you know, it's, it's an ongoing crisis and people need to see that, you know, these are loving people and community members and families, nans, pops, brothers, sisters. These are people that are passing away in cells, you know, or, you know, in the prisons and how the correction officers are treating them. Like, we, we really need to put an end to it. So today we just wanted to make sure that we just, you know, done something that was just nice for the community to get together to remember the ones that we've lost and, you know... That's why we want to make sure that we put everything that we possibly can into this petition because they're constantly using that law to discriminate against Aboriginal people and Torres Strait Islander people and we just we want to take that away, that step that they use. We want to take that away. Like Obviously, there's a lot of other system failures, but that is one that's actually directed directly to mum. So I guess the only thing that we can do is hope that everybody is able to support us and jump on board because, you know, we're we're trying to get justice for our mum, but we're also trying to get justice for everybody else that has lost 
through addressing custody and making sure that you know we're respectful to them and respectful to their families. Mm, exactly, and you know, essentially, it's 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 a public health issue, um, public drunkenness, and the the way that we deal with people should be with with care and dignity. You know, um, you know people from V-Line to the offices knowing that maybe just looking after people and those around you if they're intoxicated, you know, that's the better solution rather than than arresting people and just leaving them to their own devices where anything could happen to them as well. Yeah, exactly. And I think, you know, I think what a lot of people, sometimes they miss the point when it comes to... um, public drunkenness and being, you know, and abolishing that and what that looks like, you know. But the people that are saying that are not being targeted mm. and they're, they're not dying in police custody. You know, there are people, non-Indigenous people, that are on trains and they're, you know, being complete nuisances and they're mess and they're drunk and they're abusing people. The police don't get called or the V-line conductor doesn't kick them off the train or they don't wake them up. You know, they say don't drink and drive, catch public transport. You know, people go and catch public transport, but then you're arrested for public drinking, mm. you know. So now you're also are not allowed to sleep on a train. You know, it's it's ridiculous. And the thing is, is that it's got nothing to do with, you know, the broader, you know, Victorian public. It's, it's that it's targeting Aboriginal people because mum was an Aboriginal woman sleeping on a train which then they had used that law to be able to put her in a cell. Mm. So I think, you know, it's not it's not like getting rid of this law is going to put other people in danger. Getting rid of this law is actually going to protect Aboriginal people. And it, it is a health issue. You know, if someone is too intoxicated and they're concerned about their welfare, that they should be taking them to a hospital. Mm. or, you know, taking them to a relative or somewhere where they're going to be safe. Putting someone in a police cell when they're not being monitored, that they're, you know, now they're just in a basket that they've been put in with every other Aboriginal person that they've picked up that's intoxicated. And that's it. They just leave them be. And then this is this is why people are, are dying in custody. Mm. Exactly. Um and 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 I definitely agree with you. You know, you don't see the same kind of thing in 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 the races. You know, every come November springtime with all the carnival races, um, you see it everywhere in Melbourne. People who are you, who are so drunk, but it's predominantly um, you know white people or non-Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people, or even the football season, um, the AFL season that we're in right now. You see it all the time on on the trains, um, and and there really is a double standard. There. Yeah, there is. And, you know, if you have a look at NAIDOC Week, for example, you know, like, Irish people love NAIDOC Week. We get together, we celebrate our mob, we, you know, we go to the march and everything. You don't see us carrying, out, carrying on like that as to how non-Indigenous people are carrying on at the races. Mm. You know? So it's interesting that you can see how they like to pick and choose what suits them. Mm. Okay, this here is not acceptable, but this is. And really, it's sort of racism straight in your face, but they, they don't like to acknowledge it because they don't want to be painted with that brush. What has the support been like for this petition? What kind of um, reactions have you gotten? Have you been able to 
to, um, you know, get a word in with some of the institutions or with the government and, and that sort of thing? What has it been like, um, people responding to the petition and the work you've been doing? Um, yeah, it, it's been positive, uh, especially from the community perspective. Um, we've got the two petitions that are going at the moment. So we've got the online petition that can be found uh, on the Action Network. So that's got just over 7,000 signatures. We've also got a paper-based petition that we could table that to Parliament when the time is right. So we've also got that, uh, which communities have been putting that in the workplace or taking that to events and um, festivals and carnivals and things like that. And that's where people are getting signatures. So um, it's been it's been great in that perspective. And there's been some Aboriginal organisations that have signed on to support um, the abolishment of public drunkenness. And I guess, you know, like, we just have to make sure that we keep getting it out there to get as many signatures as we can. Because, you know, as great as 7,000 signatures there are, you see how many people live in Melbourne and they could, we could get a lot more mm. than what we've currently got. It's just people need to sort of keep sharing and spreading the word and that's, that's what we're trying to do. Yes. Um, great. Uh, thank you so much, April, and we'll definitely keep spreading the word here on 3CR Women on the Line. Thank you so much uh, for speaking with us. Yeah, no worries. Thank you. Women on the Line. On community radio around Australia, you're listening to Women on the Line. If you're just tuning in, we were speaking with April Watson, a proud Yoda Yoda Wemba Wemba Barap Barapa woman from Echuca and one of Tanya Day's four children. We were discussing the anniversary of the Royal Commission into Aboriginal Deaths in Custody as well as the petition to abolish the offence of public drunkenness in Victoria, sparked by the December 2017 death in custody of Aboriginal mother, grandmother and beloved community member Tanya Day. Our next guest is Shalina Musk, a proud Larrakia woman from Darwin in the Northern Territory. She's also a lawyer at the Human Rights Law Centre. Let's hear from Shalina. Yeah, so my name is Shalina Musk. I'm a Larrakia woman from Darwin in the Northern Territory. I'm now living and working in Melbourne. I have, for the last two years, been working with the Human Rights Law Centre within the Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander Rights Unit. I'm a senior lawyer there, um, largely engaged in our work to try to wind back the, um, I guess, the criminalisation and adverse experiences of Aboriginal people in the justice system. Your organisation was supporting Tanya Day's family at the coronial inquest into her death and now with this petition to abolish public drunkenness. Um, can you talk us through the significance of this petition? As part of this case, uh, the family for Miss Day, including her daughters and, and son, um, have been striving to get change, change when it comes to the laws and policies that they believe had led to their mother's death. Um, had the offence of public drunkenness not still been on the books in Victoria, we believe Miss Day would still be alive today. Um, this was a recommendation from the Royal Commission into Aboriginal Deaths in Custody, the report of which was handed down nearly 30 years ago um, in 1991. And a key recommendation from that report was that the um, offence of public drunkenness be decriminalised around Australia. Victoria and Queensland are the only two jurisdictions when those laws remain on the books. 
in terms of the petition, can you tell us a bit about why it's been the case that Victoria hasn't been able to follow that recommendation uh, from the Royal Commission, as well as maybe talking a bit about what the response from the government and other key institutions in, in Victoria has been to that petition? I think the question really should be posed of the Andrews government, um, why they have not followed what has was a landmark, uh, sorry, a landmark report recommending um, governments change laws and policies which contribute to Aboriginal people dying um, disproportionately in, in custody. And so, um, this the Royal Commission's report was back in 1991. There's been so many inquiries and so many reports since, particularly in Victoria, which have also recommended the same um, reform that is repeal the offence. Uh, so this isn't a, a matter of, um, I think, uh, the community wanting to change. It's, it's, an, it's about government not being willing to do what is right here. What has been the response like uh, towards this petition now, towards this, uh, towards this action? Yeah, well, um, it's unclear because uh, I think the petition has own, is still on the go. Mm. Um, the, there has been a public letter that was released today with over 80 organisations, um, Aboriginal health, legal and community services all calling for the repeal of the offence. Um, the petition is still online and we're asking people to get on board, show their support for this, um, this really crucial reform in Victoria. Um, and I think, the, again, it goes back to the Victorian government and to the Andrews government now doing what they should have done many, many years ago and uh, take action. It's not... Um, it's not something that requires any significant change. It's simply an amendment to the Summary Offences Act to uh, abolish this offence. Back in 1991, they, um, the commissioners released a landmark report with over 300 recommendations, there were 339 recommendations to laws, policies, legal frameworks and to policing practices amongst others mm. which would prevent um, these unnecessary deaths occurring, that is the unnecessary deaths of Aboriginal people in custody and many of the recommendations were trying to deal with racial discrimination, particularly in the justice system, and systemic racism within many of the institutions of government. So um, what we should be asking of the Victorian governments is how many of these recommendations have been fully implemented and what reforms have been done in the spirit of, of the Royal Commission. Um, we know there has been a number of reports detailing those, but as you can see here from the preventable death of Miss Day um, back in December of 2017, some of the crucial ones around uh, public drunkenness and minor offences that criminalise Aboriginal people are still on the books in Victoria. And, um, and in particular for this offence, there's not much that needs to be done. It's simply a legislative amendment that the government can do today. Can you talk to us a bit about how Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander women um, are disproportionately impacted by unfair laws and policies when it comes to incarceration and incarceration rates? Just in terms of Aboriginal women in the criminal justice system in Victoria, um, we've, our organisation partnered with Change the Record to produce a report, um, Overrepresented and Overlooked, uh, which delves into why there has been such a dramatic increase in Aboriginal women being imprisoned in Victoria and um, also looks nationally and um, it's just terrifying that the growth in imprisonment rates and Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander women are 
the most imprisoned demographic when it comes to the prison population in Australia, even far outpacing Aboriginal men. Um, what we know from the evidence and the literature is that um, Aboriginal women, uh, their needs and experiences are blind to governments, particularly in Victoria, um, that Aboriginal people, um, for Aboriginal women in particular, uh, are being criminalised for offences that are largely linked to um, their abuse and, and um, their trauma. So we know around 70 to 90% of Aboriginal women in prisons around Australia are survivors, victims of domestic and family violence and or sexual abuse. We also know that they come with a lot of complex health issues. Many will have experiences of trauma. Many will have unmet health needs, particularly mental health. Um, many are mothers, 80% of the women in prisons around Australia of Aboriginal and Torres women are mothers and their children who are left behind will then become successful to child protection and possibly also the youth justice system. So um, criminalising and incarcerating Aboriginal women can have ongoing effects not only to the women in particular, noting their health experiences, noting the history of trauma and their unmet needs, but also to the families and communities left behind. Yeah, thank you so much for speaking with us on Women on the Line, Shalina. No worries, thanks. Women on the Line We've come to the end of my conversation with Shalina Musk, a proud Larrakia woman from Darwin in the Northern Territory. She's a lawyer at the Human Rights Law Centre. We were discussing the 28th anniversary of the Royal Commission into Aboriginal Deaths in Custody. We were also discussing a key recommendation of the Royal Commission to abolish the offence of public drunkenness in Victoria. The petition was sparked by the December 2017 death in custody of Aboriginal mother, grandmother and beloved community member Tanya Day. Before that, we spoke with Tanya Day's daughter, April Watson, a proud Yoda Yoda, Wemba Wemba and Barap Barapa woman from Echuca. And that's all for Women on the Line today. Women on the Line is a community radio national women's current affairs program. It's produced and presented by a range of women and non-binary broadcasters from 3CR in Melbourne and broadcast across Australia on the Community Radio Network. We greatly appreciate financial support from the Community Broadcasting Foundation. We welcome your comments or thoughts on today's show. So send us an email to womenontheline at gmail.com or phone 3CR on 03 8377 Women on the Line programs can be downloaded from our website www.3cr.org.au forward slash women on the line. The theme music for Women on the Line is Slideshow at Free University by Letigre. I'm Hope Matumbu and I hope you can tune in again next time.